G'day everyone and welcome to the Beyond 90 podcast. We really appreciate you listening to us talk about football because no one can stop me. And what a big week it's been. So joining me, Cheryl Downs, on the podcast are Eric Subijano and Dale Roots. Welcome, guys. How was your week? Uh, wet. It's been, it's been quite the week here in Sydney. Um, but, you know, they still got some football in, which is good. Obviously, the big blue was called off, which was a bit of a bummer. But uh, they still got the game in in Newcastle, which was great. But, uh, yeah, uh, my our thoughts go out to everybody on the North Coast and uh, out in Western Sydney um, investing in boats uh, to get to and from work uh, because, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy one this week. Hey, can I tell a funny story, actually? We went out to dinner with friends on Saturday night and his parents live in Taree. And his dad's got a boat, but he doesn't know where it is because it's just floated off somewhere. So, now, yeah, bring on I, the I would, insurance. I would, uh, I would question the, uh, the, care, the duty of care that he's taken with this boat. <laughs> Although that said, I can, assume, I can assume that living in Tari, I don't think you'd need to moor it uh, very often if you weren't living at, on the coast. But, yes, that is uh, it's quite strange. They're, like I've got friends who live out in... Uh, live out near Windsor and like, just like, Oh yeah. So the Windsor bridge is going to go under. That's glad they built that new bridge a few years ago. So that's, that's good at least. But yeah, it's been a pretty crazy week. We've had about eight inches of rain uh, where I am. And that means that like the, all the creeks are flooded. Like my downstairs has been flooded. I don't know what the garage looks like. It's been pretty weird though. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And then Eric for you, I think the first like the, the news isn't the news unless you've seen it on Twitter or Slack and, and Eric sent through a photo to our Slack channel of one of the venues which looked pretty wet underwater. The ball would have been travelling pretty slow there or skimming along on top pretty well. Yes, Cheryl. Uh, that was actually Seymour Shaw, a former Sydney FC W League venue. Despite being synthetic and it's, despite having drainage, it was just uh, flooded. So, And they're not the only artificial venue or artificial surface to be flooded in Sydney. It's been quite the time here. Yeah, it's sad to see what's going on there and hopefully, hopefully it goes away without too much weight. I suppose there's more rain coming down, but yeah, definitely feeling for the people out there who are getting more rain than that, what they want. I think the other thing is, and I do play a bit of golf. I'm not a good golfer, so no one asks questions about that, but you know, the, the better quality grounds tended to, sorry, the better quality um, golf courses tended to have better drainage. I don't know what the drainage is like at Seymour Shore, but in terms of the volume of rain that came down over a very short period of time, I'm sure that makes it pretty hard. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's probably one thing that we'll discuss uh, regarding the, the dub this week because, like, one of the issues is that we've got, as I said, we've lost the Sydney-Melbourne game and we don't really know where we're going to put it. So... Uh, <laughs> If anyone has any suggestions on how we can just create another day in the week, uh, it's please. It's not like get it was touch. an important match or anything like no. that to decide the final four. Not important. Just, <laughs> just play it. I don't know. Yeah, because they're meant to have the, the semifinals on the Thursday or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit. It's well, it's very up in the air at the moment. 
very much a compressed schedule, but I'm sure the schedulers who have already been working on it have got a great solution for this and it'll be forthcoming very shortly. Hey, in other hot topics for round 13, massive attendance at Cooper Stadium, which I don't remember watching Adelaide last time they played at Cooper Stadium, but it looked gorgeous. I don't know about you guys, but all all the red seats, the proximity of the seats to the actual ground itself, so nothing like Lakeside where you've got a track in between. I don't know the um, the actual capacity of the venue, but I'd love to see more W League there and even Matilda's matches, to be honest. I think it'll be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Cooper's – Hindmar Stadium is probably the best – pure football venue in Australia, in my humble opinion. Um, it seats 16,500 um, and it was massively renovated before the last Olympics. So from memory, it was a quite small ground. I think it only fit about 12,000 before that. Could be wrong. I was knee-high to a grasshopper when they renovated that. Um, but yeah, it is It is one of the best pure football grounds in Australia. Um and Adelaide are really lucky to have it. Um, it's a funny, it's a really funny ground. It's like, um, it's like a lot of grounds in Europe where it's just kind of like grown out of nothing. Um, one of the corners at Hindmarsh, um, if you ever watch a game there, you'll notice that the far stand is short on one side and it's because the ground is in between a triangle of streets from memory. Um, so that corner of the ground, they actually can't build that stand up any further because they'd be, it, it'd be over the, like it'd overhang the road. Um, but yeah, it's a, it was such a good ground and I'm so glad that they got so many people there, like 5,600 or whatever it was, mm-hmm. was, I mean, it's just fantastic. And, and Adelaide United have really deserved that for the season they've had, um, whether they make the finals or not, we'll come on to, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> hey, before we talk more about W League, and there's plenty of W League to talk about, there's two things that I wanted to quickly talk about, or one that Dale was going to throw in, I think some hot news which has just come through, but then the other piece of news which came through, I think on Sunday morning or somewhere thereabouts, was that the Olympics or the Olympic Committee have announced that no overseas spectators will be able to see the amazing feat that, he, that are the Olympic events. Um, so it got me thinking about where are we at with the Olympics? So we know that we've got 10 teams have qualified so far. The final two teams or, or countries should qualify in April, barring any other COVID delays. And then we, we get some amazing football coming on the, I think the first match is the 21st of July. So I'm getting excited about that. But what's maybe a bit less exciting is that we haven't seen any Matildas matches yet, but we should see that pretty shortly after the the W League finishes up. And, and I think the international window is, is it the 6th or the 8th of April that's coming up? So we should be able to hopefully see some of that soon. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, Japan, the whole thing about there not being any foreign fans doesn't hugely stress me. Like I would love to go. Um, obviously, shares you were looking at going had bought flights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't feel like we're going to be seeing like empty stands. I don't worry so much about that because they like Japan just had the Rugby World Cup in 2019, and rugby is one of the biggest sports there, but it's definitely not the biggest. It's like football, baseball, hanging out with your mates, and then maybe rugby fourth. Um, 
but yeah, like they, and obviously they would have got a number of foreign fans over for that, but they like packed out all the, all the games. I'm not too stressed about that. It is just, it's such a shame that we won't, it's very first world problem, but it's, it's such a shame that we won't be able to go. Um, Obviously I would have loved to have gone, um, but Hey, that's more money in my bank account, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but Eric, I I mean, like you were, I think we were having this discussion about um, potential games going forward in like May, June. Was that a discussion that we were having? I think so. I mean, maybe, uh, friend of the pod samantha lewis was in it as well about when the tillies are actually going to play and when the windows are but i'd like to i'd like to think there'd be something you bet there'll be something um and the other thing is probably to look at oh what do we got of the teams that have qualified so far you look at the way that they could be allocated to pots and it might be me getting excited too early in the piece but you've got the number one ranked team in the world the usa and then you've got the netherlands in their ranking is fourth. I think new rankings actually come out on Tuesday, which is tomorrow for us recording on a Monday. I doubt that given how little football has been played that there would be any change at all or any significant change. And then in the third pot, you would have Japan because as the host, they get they go into pot one, E1. And then with the split that you have of the confederations, so in theory, it's a maximum of one confederation per group so it's it's a tough route i mean i think the the olympics is harder to maybe win and we should ask someone who's more qualified than me but the olympics are harder to win than oh this is going to sound so dumb than the world cup just because of how tight it is i would agree with that i don't think that's a controversial statement in the least um especially because Especially because you have to, like, just it's basically win or go home, like, from the outset. So, like, I would be interested to know how many teams haven't won every game and then gone and won the, gone and won the Olympics. Um, because there's only three groups. So, like, you have to, you basically have to top your group. Um, and I know that it goes from 12 to 8. But still, like, if you're a third-place team that goes through, you're going to get put up against the first-place team. Um and that's no good, generally. Tough. <laughs> no um, good, but like yeah, it. yep. it's, I don't think it's a controversial statement to say that the 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 the, the, quali- the the best team in the world is often the one that wins the Olympic tournament. Um, there's and much- Germany haven't even qualified this time around. No, they were knocked out by Sweden in the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Which exactly, means they're not even here. I mean, to think about it, you we don't have France, we don't have Germany. These, these are massive teams and, and, you know, the France haven't necessarily been great in big tournaments generally. Germany mm. obviously doing pretty well. We might see a replay of USA Netherlands pretty soon. And also we've got like, uh, it's strange to me that like we've got Zambia as the African representative. I did get very excited when I, I pulled up the Wikipedia page because we were discussing this and I went, it came with... 2018 OFC Nations Cup, and then the next next text next to it was New Caledonia, and I was like, "What the hell? Did New Zealand not qualify for the Olympics? And New Caledonia going to the Olympics? But no, New Zealand are going to the Olympics. Don't get too excited." Um, but also, we have Great Britain. Like, this will only be their second appearance at a at an Olympics. Um, and how did they even get ranked? 
Like that's uh, the thing that I haven't put in our show notes. There's no rank unless do you yeah. average Wales, Scotland, England. Well, I think that they decided that the home nations decided that the best performing or it was the top top ranked team, which was England, um, their performance would dictate how they were whether they would qualify or not. So obviously because they made the semi-final, they qualified. Um but yeah, like that's a good question. Like, how do you? Maybe they don't get a pot. Maybe they just get put in last. Who knows? Who knows? But we will know on the twelfth of April because that's when they're actually doing the draw. Interesting. Um, we actually have to have the finals of the two remaining places, which is between Korea Republic and China People People's Republic of China, which is the eighteenth ranked and fifteenth ranked teams on April eighth and April thirteenth. So the thirteenth being after the twelfth when we have the draw. So they'll just be given. I suppose, theoretically, a position. They're both from the same confederation. And then the other match or matches, I believe there will be two off the top of my head, is Cameroon and Chile. I'm saying two because I wonder whether or not they'd already played one, but that's the 51st ranked country in the world and the 36th. But they are from different confederations as well, which means that the allocation of pot could be a little bit interesting for them as well. Oh man, organize trying to organize a flight between Chile and Cameroon. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Are they gonna play it on that FIFA, e FIFA or, or something or other? I have no idea. <laughs> Let's not get into esports. That's a whole different podcast that we can talk about. The Cameroonians probably have better internet than Eric, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eric, that's harsh. All no, right. It's fair. It's fair. Enough of me babbling on about the um, the Olympics. Let's talk about round 13 plus a round 12 match. I think we probably did have, but we had Perth Glory. Oh, hang on. Let me go back to my matches. So we had a round 12 match on the Tuesday night last week, I think it was, and that was Perth Glory against Melbourne Victory with Victory running out 1-0 victors. Annalie Longo scoring a goal in that one, I think, if I get my bits and pieces right. Then on Friday night, we had Perth Glory play again because we know they're playing every other day against Melbourne City. Melbourne City won a match, which is great for them. And Riley Dobson scored her first goal for the season, I believe. So that was a 1-0 victory for City. Then we had a massive match between Sydney and Melbourne victory, which and it's massive from the context, which it's basically who's going to end up being in the finals. I think if if victory were to win, I think that absolutely puts Adelaide out and it absolutely puts Canberra out, maybe. No, no to- only puts one of them out well yeah okay yep fair call um but it was postponed so like like dale was saying we we have no idea when that will be and i i didn't see any instagram posts of sydney or of melbourne victory players coming home did you guys eric you're all over the socials did you see any uh did you see any posts it hadn't occurred to me, but well done, Cheryl. I have not seen anything. <laughs> nothing from Kyra Cooney Cross. Nothing it's just, from it's just Annalie Kyra Longo. Cooney Cross complaining that they can't go out at night because it's raining and there's a lockout. <laughs> yes. That is, this is a very good point, Cheryl. Are they still here in Sydney? Yeah, look, this is the hot tip for anyone who's out there and really aspiring to get the lowdown on any of the early signings for whatever and whenever. 
use Instagram. Just That's Instagram. what we do. That's what the professionals do. We use it. I'm sure everyone else uses it. It was like anyway. before Tegan Allen announced that she'd signed with Melbourne City, there was like her pack in the car. And I was like, oh, Tegan, it's too obvious. <laughs> Always. Uh, the next match that we did have that was actually played was Newcastle against Canberra United with Michelle Heyman adding yet another goal. And every goal she gets is important, right? Because this means that the um, the – the record is just going up and up by a goal here and a goal there. So congratulations mm. to Michelle Heyman. And that makes it out of the four, sorry, the three games so far that were played, they were all one nil victories, which is interesting in W league. Sometimes we're seeing four, two, one, four, six nil. So it was interesting that not much was splitting those teams until the match yesterday, which saw Adelaide United break the record in, in terms of attendance, but they played against the Western Sydney Wanderers who opened the scoring really early, but then Adelaide came away, away 3-1 victors. So that was pretty great for them, wouldn't you say, Eric? I mean, that's quite the <laughs> understatement for Adelaide's. Um, also, shout out to former Beyond Niner writer Chloe Lau, who will get to stress out about the prospect of making finals or not making finals for at least another week now. Also, she has to cheer for Sydney FC against Canberra. Uh, so have fun with that, Chloe. Unlucky. But, <laughs> yes. But yeah, I mean, that Olivia Price goal, I mean, sorry, that goal from Barista Queen Olivia Price definitely wasn't in the script. But then I think Adelaide just showed their quality all season there, that they've shown all season. They, they ran over the top of them. I did... As you know, I love plays scoring against their former clubs. So Mariska Valdis, her goal in the second half was fantastic. Really bookending the Wanderer season, which of course was started by former Wanderer Courtney Vine scoring against them in round one, I think. Um, yeah, and also good to see a goal from Fiona Woods as well. I heard during the broadcast that um, she's had to train less with them because she had to go to work to make enough hours to fulfill the conditions of a visa. Um, once again, fully professionalized the dub. But yeah, a great day. We spoke about the crowd. The atmosphere was fantastic. It came through very nicely on TV. And uh, I just, uh, it's hard to choose. It's going to be tough, whoever, whichever one out of Adelaide, Canberra and Victory uh, miss out on finals. But uh, I hope, I'm hoping against hope that is Victory that miss out. <laughs> I know a few swear words. I won't say any of them. Look, I'd love to see Adelaide in there, but it's hard to look at it from the expense of Canberra or Victory. The question I kind of wanted to ask is that, you know, what what can we hope and expect to see from Adelaide next season as well? And I know it's a long time between drinks, but they're playing the long game. They're really looking at investing in their football program generally and in fact, it, investing in their players as well. So look, make it or don't make it this season. I mean, we'd love to see them there, but it mm. really bodes well for them in seasons coming as well. Cause they've not been these traditional big signers of imports, although they're absolutely, they've had imports, but yeah, they're, they're doing it off their own and it's awesome. It's, it's interesting because like for a long time as well, they, they ha I mean, there've been South Australian players who have played for the Socceroos. I mean, you think of the Vidmars and the Aloises and uh, through to, you know, even Robbie Cornthwaite, our favourite W League commentator. But uh, it, it is interesting to me that there have been so many players come out of this rapidly improving NPLSA, um, which is, for me, really um, promising. 
Um, it is something that does worry is probably a little too extreme, but it is something that you note when you do have such a big distance and you have such um, kind of disparity between the quality of the MPLs. Um, but like, I'm, I'm really glad that there's some, some good players coming out of there. There've been good players come out of there in the past. Obviously you've had, you know, um, Miana Rajic, uh, Georgia Capagnale, um, Dylan Holmes, obviously these players have come through there and now they're getting better players coming through there kind of of their own volition um, through through the MPLWSA. So, you know, long may that continue. Um, they seem to be investing more heavily in obviously kind of the training and football facilities that they're playing at. So, you know, that's great. As you say, sure. Like the long game is the hardest game to play, but it often has the best rewards. So if they continue investing like this, then hopefully there'll be a fixture of finals in years to come. So let's look at where we're at right now. I mean, you'd like to think by round 13, or maybe you don't like to think because it's great that it's going to the end of the wire. So we've got Sydney on top with two games to play. They've got 24 points already with a maximum of 30 points that they could get to should they win their two remaining games. One against Melbourne Victory, who will be desperate for a point or three points. And then their final match, well, depending on when they play their matches, will be against Canberra United. So two tough matches for Sydney. They can't get bumped out of the finals race, but they have not yet locked in the Premier's plate. In second position, we've got Brisbane Raw. They've got one game remaining. They're on 22 points, so the max they can get to is 25. So that's if Sydney lose both of their matches and Brisbane were to win theirs, they would win the Premier's plate. And then we've got Adelaide, who I think are also, they're not on 22. Yes, they are on 22 points, but they can't do anything from there. They're basically beholden to everyone else. Canberra United's got one match remaining. Maximum they can get to is 24 um, everything can swing any which way. And then you've got Melbourne victory with two games remaining on 20 points as well. So their two games are against Sydney and then a match at home, I think, against Perth Glory as well. After that, we've got the teams who have not retired for the season yet. The Wanderers have finished up on 13 points. Melbourne City have got one game yet to play, which I think again is against Perth. Newcastle Jets have got one match to play. Uh, can't remember, sorry. And then Perth Glory have got two matches to play. They're on one point and they play both of the Melbourne teams from the best of my memory. How's that? Did I get anything right wrong? Uh, Brisbane play Newcastle. That's the last game. So it's it's one of those annoying things where like in a perfect world, all of the last round games would be played at the same time. Um, but it will be interesting to watch if like Brisbane obviously have a big advantage because if they if they know that they're not going to get knocked out of the finals they can basically just play like a second string team and rest all of their main stars which is uh, which would be really good for them going into the finals um, but then at the same time like if they if Sydney were to lose both of their games and um, then Brisbane go into that game on Sunday knowing that if they win they can win the premier's plate could have a bit of a helicopter Sunday which is always fun well, it's Premier's Plate and it's also home finals, right? Yeah, or exactly. home semi-finals. So mm. they, they, want, they would want to keep the foot down because are they – and I haven't looked at their home versus away results, to be honest, but it's always nice to be at home 
rather than away, particularly if you've got the West Coast in the equation, which we don't at the moment. But there are some crowds which really do lift the teams as well. And I kind of think that Brisbane with the Raw Corps are one of those teams. So I think that, I mean, the Raw Corps would probably travel anyway, but I, I think they'd be busting to get a home semi. I don't think Brisbane have won a semi-final since 2010. <laughs> don't touch that. That's, yeah. So if they... If if they're going to make the final this year, they'll want to do it at home because, as you say, like that, and also obviously Dolphins Stadium is brilliant, and they've played really, really well there, and they know the ground really well. So um, it's a tough play. I think I think it'd be a tough place to go, as you say. Home final is a huge advantage. I just look at it, and sorry, we're not letting Eric have a chance at talking, but Melbourne victory, if if there's a chance that they should win both of their games, they could pull up into first or second. I don't know where their home field is. They just have so many that they could turn up anywhere. Who knows? Anyway, Eric, you can have a go at talking as well. We shouldn't monopolise. And um, Frank Hollihan is now an option, now that it's finally ready and um, considered fit for purpose for W League use. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, of course, Melbourne victory. I mean, they're, they're still in with a shot at the Premier's plate. They could miss the finals altogether. It's um, <laughs> all up in the air for the Navy Blue. But, yeah, I was just thinking, yeah. I mean, also, I suppose they would like to know when they're actually playing Sydney FC and when they can finish their regular season. I'd say that would be fairly important information. You're right. Yeah, and the thing is with the international window coming up, it's not like we can – there's not a lot of flexibility around where these things can happen. But let's not delay it any further. Tell us your shots on target. I didn't do any tipping, so I've, I've got nothing to say. But, Eric, did you get any right? Dale, did you get any right? Uh, that would have required me to have thought about my tips. Uh, I tipped Canberra to win. <laughs> Retrospectively is perfect. Uh, this is very good. <laughs> This is a great radio. Um, yeah, I'm fairly sure I tipped uh, both of the Perth. I think I tipped Perth to beat City. Uh, so obviously didn't get that one right. I, I definitely would have tipped Adelaide to beat Western Sydney. Uh, and I would have tipped Canberra to beat Newcastle. Um, did not tip a game to be flooded. That was uh, not on my tipping sheet, unfortunately. Well, um, I tipped the Wanderers to lose all 12 games this season. At least, well, not not no individually every week. So, so I know I got at least one right. Um, I actually can't remember, but yeah, you both know the complete lack of thought I put into my tipping. Um, yeah, but I know I got one right. I'm to I lose one... every week sounds like my NRL <laughs> tips. What well, one sounds like a great stretch? We haven't talked about uh, she plays for quite a long time, and I must admit that I I found it. Yeah, a little bit demoralizing sometimes. So I just kind of stepped away a little bit. But she plays is terrific because you can also keep tabs on. It's not just who who scores the goals. It's points for assists. It's points for saves. It's all sorts of things. So it's a really good way to get a good picture of who's been the standout players for the season. But before we talk about players of the season, let's talk about players of the round. I think I didn't see all the matches, to be honest. Um, I'm just trying to think about the Adelaide match and I think maybe maybe I'll throw a, a point the way of Waldus just because of the the excitement of the goal that she scored and and how it changed a little bit the atmosphere of the 
of the game. So I don't know, bit simple, bit basic, but I'm sticking with that. Eric, would you describe Olivia Price as best on grounds? This is a coffee joke. Thank you. <laughs> uh, player of the round. I'm, I mean, I'm always impressed by two players when it comes to Adelaide. Have a hell of a lot of time for, obviously, for Maria Rojas, but also for Emily Condon. She's a fantastic player. Um, I know that we'll come on to it later, but um, Charlotte Grant's save off the line. Unbelievable effort. Very, very good. Ten points for you. Four for you, Glenn Coco. You go, Glenn Coco. Um, but player of the round, yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought, I, like, I thought Newcastle were really impressive as a team. To be really honest, like, I think Canberra could have probably scored four or five, but like, Newcastle just really hung in there. Like, I don't necessarily know if I could pull out a player from that game. I'm always impressed by Rihanna Policino. We all we all know that. I do love a futsal player. But I thought Newcastle, aside from obviously Adelaide having a brilliant performance and getting the three points, Newcastle was so unlucky to lose, in my opinion. They've had a few games like that. Eric, your thoughts? Player um, of the, the round? Player of the round? Um, it's hard to go past uh, Claire Coelho and the seemingly dozens of saves that she made on Saturday. Although I think the real MVPs of the round are the ground staff at number two sports ground, or as we prefer to call it, Cheryl Salisbury Field, mm-hmm. for all their brilliant work in ensuring that the Newcastle versus Canberra could actually be played. I think that's fair. Canberra that's a great had, shout out. Canberra had 25 shots and nine on target in that game and only scored once. So eight saves in a W League game is fairly impressive. And they hit the post twice as well, if I remember correctly. I think that's correct. All right. Let's talk goal of the round then. I'm not even going to go first. I think, Eric, we've got you on on the spotlight for this one. I think Cheryl kind of stole my thunder. And I stole my own thunder before, but Marushka Valdis, as much for the celebration, she really, really, really loves scoring against the Wanderers. Also, I'm so happy for her in a, I don't know if I said this in a previous pod, but in her two seasons at the Wanderers, she experienced victory, I think, five times. So um, this season for Adelaide, she's bidding on the winning side seven times. So there you go. For her. Uh, I did like Valdis' goal. Um, also, uh, probably not as hyped as it, should slash could have been Riley Dobson's goal against Perth. Um, I have this just like Chidiak's pass for that goal was, oh, mamma mia, so good. And the finish was delicious. Happy days. Love it. Um, also, Michelle Heyman's goal against Newcastle, just like kick the skin off the ball is the easiest way to do a goal. That's That's what I like. I think Dale stole my thunder that time. We're, we're taking turns at stealing thunder. I was going to pick Riley Dobson as well, not not necessarily because of all the football elements around it, but more because I think Riley is a giver in terms of football. Like She's just such a contributor to the game and really pleased to see the hard work that she's gone through for the season rewarded. So, and you know, some three points it gives to Melbourne city as well. So good on her. What about a save of the round from our resident goalkeeping expert? Um, I mean, Charlotte Grant's save off the line was really, really good. Um, Quayle made a number of quite good saves. Uh, I think uh, she made a one-on-one save against Flannery and Flannery looked like somebody had, taken out her dog. I mean, it was just, she looked like she didn't know what to do with herself. 
Um, but yeah, Quilo for, I mean, Eric's probably right. Quilo for player of the round, not a bad shout. Um, but yeah, just that the one-on-one save. I think she also made a save against, it might've been Paige Satchel or it was like a one-on-one. She got in behind on the left-hand side and she just got up close and really big to it. Um, but yeah. Um, Claire Coelho for me. Yeah, it's hard to go past those two saves. Yeah, you're right, Dale. It was Paige Satchel. And I think, I do believe I saw a, a post on the W League Instagram's page, which was the two saves Dale mentioned, plus another two saves that were equally as good from Claire Coelho. So um, you, you can really take your pick uh, from what the Newcastle keeper did on Saturday. Yeah, the, the W League Instagram or socials team would have had a really easy run this week. <laughs> they would have just been like, just chopping up Claire Coelho highlights. Left, right, and center. Easy, easy days work. Happy days. Um, there must be a, a bit of I don't know mist or dust or rain in the air down south because I, I see things differently down here. I thought um, <laughs> maybe it wasn't save of the round in terms of the finesse, but Sarah Willisy had a bit of a bullet kicked at her, and I I think I'm surprised that it didn't crack her in the face. It looked like it probably got her pretty hard in the chest, or if she managed to get her hands in front of it. So Sarah Willisy for being able to stand up under the onslaught of, of that one. So yeah. That's as close as I'll get to it. Also, Any- speaking of speaking of goalkeepers this week, got to say, um, really glad to see goalkeepers taking long kicks in that Perth Melbourne City game. Less passing around the back. I don't want it. Bubs, Bubs, and uh, and Lily Alfield were uh, Lily Alfield were both um, just kicking the ball as hard as possible, and I like that. What do you think we would see in the Matildas though? We're we're very much a play from out the back kind of team at a national level i think anyway i'm not sure if bubs um is in the running for the matilda spot which is no, my no, first concern gen- and lily Alfield is from philosophy. New Zealand. <laughs> no 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 I, I mean general philosophy um, in in terms it's, of it's one of the reasons that mackenzie arnold is consistently talked about in the w in the matilda's lineup um, because she's such a good distributor um and that's one of the big advantages tegan micah has going forward as well um she's very very good with her feet it's another reason why it was such a shame that Bree Davy, well, not such a shame that Bree Davy decided to go to AFLW because she was again a very good, uh, very good with her feet, very good distributor. Um, but yeah, that's that's one thing that we Australian goalkeepers t- typically do very well is playing playing the ball with our feet because a lot of our goalkeepers don't start as keepers; they kind of grow into it um and that's it's kind of it's kind of the best of both worlds because you have a lot of goalkeepers who start out as outfielders and this isn't just in women's football but it's in men's as well um who start out as outfielders and because australians tend to play a lot of ball sports like rugby or um australian rules or netball for for the girls um more specifically but they grow up learning how to as silly as this sounds, how to not get hit in the face with the ball because like that's a fairly big deal when you're a kid. Getting hit in the face with the ball is really painful. So like if you can learn that skill at a young age, then you kind of transition that forward to being able to, you know, move your use your body or those kind of things. Um so we're very lucky to have um goalkeepers who are both very good with their feet and very good at shot stopping. Because in a lot of countries where they don't have those uh, other ball sports for both men and women, um, it's kind of one or the other. Question without notice. Who is the best woman goalkeeper ever in your mind from a 
Matilda's perspective and, and maybe from a world perspective, maybe, yeah. Eric, do you want to throw in as well? It's a Who, good one. Who's ready first? The best woman goalkeeper that I can remember was probably Nadine Angra. Um, she's one of only two goalkeepers to have ever won the player of the year, FIFA player of the year. And the other was Levy Ashton and he captained the Soviet Union team. Uh, the black spider, they used to call him, and he wore a cap. Uh, Nadine Angra didn't wear a cap, which does take off some of her cool points, uh, unfortunately. Um, best goalkeeper from a Matilda's pers- perspective, I think it, for me it's probably between Bubs and Lydia. Um, but it's hard to tell because Bubs has been there for so long. Um, but I think when we come to the end of uh, both of their careers will be able to look back and, and make a distinction between the two of them. But they're, I mean, in terms of world-class goalkeepers, like especially considering the era in which both of them have played, I think they're right up there. Yeah, for me, there's a bit of recency bias here, possibly availability of footage, but I think yeah, Lydia Williams, so the number of times she's done something incredible to save a game or perhaps even you know preserve a win, Mackenzie Arnold. But uh, I think some of those saves definitely make up for it. I, I also have to say that the 2015 World Cup, and I know this, this doesn't mean uh, it's, it's not a longitudinal study by any, any means, but Hope Solo in the 2015 World Cup in the match against the Matildas was absolutely our nemesis. If it was not for her playing a, a game of her life, we we would have won. In in fact, you know, we were so close to winning that one. Mm. And I don't think that the USA played particularly well throughout the early stages of that tournament. But hey, let's not drive back six years unless anyone wants to. They they I mean it's also crazy to think if like there's two major sliding doors moments in kind of what we're discussing. One is for me, Bree Davy not getting taken to the World Cup in 2015. Um which is not what I thought was a good idea, but I'm not the coach. And the other for me is the whole Hope Solo thing at the 2016 Olympics after the US got knocked out. Um, Because after that, she was kind of a pariah within the US soccer, um, lost her position for six months and then never came back. Next time I saw Hope Solo, she was enjoying sushi at a cafe in Lyon in 2019. Just a random woman on the street. Very strange. (laughs) Remember to, to, turning to friend of the pod, Sam Lewis, and being like, that's Hope Solo. Her being like, yeah, it is. <laughs> just, a, just a random person on the street. All right. Sorry for digressing our thoughts there, but uh, we still have part of the round and tackle of the round to go to. Do you want to do one each, Eric? Did you want to go um, tackle of the round? And I'll throw to Dale right now for pass of the round. Um, I've got actually a nomination for both. They are both Alex Chidiak. So Dale mentioned it earlier, her sublime pass for Raleigh Dobson's winner against uh, Perth Glory. And then after that, I think she pulled off the tackle of the round. Hannah Lowry was about to let fly on the edge of the box. And we know what the kind of a left foot she had. And a fellow left footer with a great shot, Alex Chidiak, recognized that, threw a body in the way, shot didn't get off, tackle of the round. I am 100% on board for both of those. Uh, Alex Chidiak was in on uh, Hannah Lowry like a peregrine falcon. She was. She came down from a great height, and uh, yeah, Hannah Lowry. I feel Hannah Lowry may still be standing at Dorian Gardens, wondering where that ball is. I'm really looking forward to the next couple of years for Hannah Lowry, to be honest, just because of the player that she is now, 
And, you know, she's not going to be uh, different positions, but she's not going to be another Sam Kerr. She's going to be Hannah Lowry. And mm. I think she's, you know, got so much um, so much space to develop, but that doesn't mean she's underdeveloped now. It just means that she's got the, the aptitude and it looks like she's got um, – She's really clever in terms of football. And, and I think that's a massive thing as well. You can have, you know, I, I think different things. You can have athleticism where I think Sam Kerr is probably the, the number one that we have. Then you can have technical skill and ability. I don't know who I'd rate as our number one, but then you've got the thinkers. And, and the thinkers for me are kind of players like Elise Kellen Knight, for example, you know, the, the players who are able to be on the field and be able to understand what, what's going on and how to mitigate it, how to work around it, how to win it. Yeah, I agree. And it's crazy to think that Hannah's still only 17. Um, and that's one thing that um, we all know, like women players tend to develop um, physically, like, I mean, women obviously develop much younger than, than men, like when it comes to, you know, in adolescence, but it is going to be interesting to me as Hannah Lauri gets older and she kind of grows into an athletic physique or an athletic build right now. One of the queries that I have around her is the fact that she gets knocked off the ball so easily. But the point that you make about like, she's often when she's on the ball, she's two or three steps ahead of everyone else. Um, like she's a very, very competent number 10. I really like the way that she plays and she kind of, not everything with her is about the ball has to go forward. Sometimes the ball has to go backwards. Sometimes it has to go sideways. It's not always about, okay, get ball, go forward, where you see that with a lot of young players. I love the way that she thinks about the game. Um, and as you say, like she's very technically um, adept. It's just going to be a matter of like, as you say, whether whether she kind of grows into that role, whether there's competition in that role. There aren't a lot of players um, at the moment in the Australian team who are, are like her, but um, there are a few coming through, I feel, who are in that role when it comes to uh, the, the, the playmaker. You've got players like Kyra Cooney-Cross. You've got Grace Maher, although she's obviously a little bit older. You've got Hannah Lowry. You've got... I mean, there's a number of players plus players that we've got overseas who are still playing for the Matildas. Uh, but yeah, she's a quality, quality player. I, I will be really interested to see what happens with her between now and the next World Cup. It could be a bolter. Hmm. Love to see competition for positions as well. And I think, you know, I've been talking a little bit recently about the the players or the Matildas and the other Australian players who've gone to play internationally. And I, I think that's what we see. The more you play in the top leagues, and, and I think Tony Gustafsson said the same thing, the more you have players in the top leagues, the better it will be. So it'd be interesting to see if Hannah Lowry does um, go off overseas and, and play as well, given the opportunities that they could have there. Hey, but I, I keep throwing us in a different direction and we should probably talk a little bit more about the, the round that was. Did you, do you want to talk about any particular highlights that came out of the matches, Eric? Any, any particular highlights out of the the five matches from round 12 plus 13? So the four plus the washed out one. Um, yes, true. I think, think we've pretty much covered everything. A bit of a low light was the scramble for information when we realized what the weather was doing last Saturday, which unfortunately led to that postponement. Okay. On to the top goal scorers at the moment with only a few matches remaining, six, seven, five and a half. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Um, 
We've got Emily Gilnick in the top position on 12 goals and Michelle Heyman on 10 goals. Both of the um, teams that those players play for have got one match remaining. So interesting to see what they can do out of that. The next player is Remy Seamson from Sydney. Remy's on seven goals. They've got two games remaining. So it's possible if she was to get five goals across those two matches that she could knock Emily off the top of the top of the pole if Emily didn't score. But I think at the moment, you know, Michelle Heyman has had a couple of games where she scored a brace and a hat trick as well. So it's still very much a, a live competition. We won't see what we saw last season with four players, I think, tying for mm-hmm. the, the top shot. And then if we look at the matches remaining yet to be seen when we'll see the the match for Sydney versus Melbourne victory rescheduled, if someone knows, let us know. I think beyond that, the matches that we have got, Melbourne City against Perth Glory on Thursday night, which is interesting because we didn't have Thursday night football this week and it kind of surprised me a little bit. Canberra United against Sydney FC. Just wondering off the top of my head if... If Canberra were to win that match, that's really annoying for probably Adelaide United and Melbourne victory in different ways. Yes. But (laughs) it it definitely still doesn't even wrap up everything. Melbourne victory against Perth Glory, which Melbourne victory have played them recently, obviously, and it's a tough match. It's, It's not an easy match. As much as we look at Perth and they're on the bottom of the ladder, they haven't had a win to their name. They've got one solitary point. They are not a team that look that way. I think they've got plenty plenty of opportunities and they could score um, an interesting result against someone. And then we've got Brisbane Raw against the Newcastle Jets. You guys talked about that a little bit as well. It's an, that's an interesting match from the perspective of Brisbane. There is something in it for them, but there's definitely something in it for Newcastle. And I don't think I've ever seen Newcastle back off. So, yeah, I'm it, sorry, I'll, I'll just throw my tips in quickly, at least on the first match. I think Melbourne, Melbourne City will win it against Perth Glory. I think it's been a bit compressed for them lately. What are your thoughts, guys? Uh, City for me. Not by much, though. I think you're right. Like Perth, Perth have been only really soundly beaten twice this season um, and they've put up a fight in every game. So I can't see this being any different. Now, uh, I have to structure my tips in such a way that uh, Melbourne Victory end up missing the finals. So I'm thinking ahead here. <laughs> now, uh, when you say Melbourne City versus Perth Glory, what I hear is Tory Tumith versus Alex Aparkas. Um Sorry, Alex. <laughs> City to win. Oh, unlucky. You're never getting right. an interview ever again. <laughs> Take us through to Canberra United versus Sydney then, Eric. Well, let me turn on my video now wearing what i am wearing which is my newly purchased uh, jessica nash Canberra united away jersey i feel like i've um painted myself into a corner so Canberra to get the three points i would like us to do, if you can hold it up to the screen my other new Canberra jersey with the name of my other favorite blacktown superstar ashcroft's on the back so yes i mean yeah Canberra. i i don't know how but that's what will happen uh, yeah. yeah, Canberra to win. Um, I, I'm t- it, for me, it's going to be for me. The biggest thing is when Sydney play. Um, I was talking about this with uh, several friends of the pod um, and discussing potential games re Sydney v Melbourne. 
Um, the only day that it's meant to be dry here is Wednesday. So I would assume that they'll play that game on Wednesday. And that would mean that Canberra have had will have had a six-day turnaround and Sydney will have had a two-day turnaround. It's at Viking Park. Canberra haven't lost there all season. To me, Canberra to get the cookies. Um, look, I don't know. <laughs> I think it might be a draw. I'm just going to throw that in to see what happens. But, you know, and for the record, that- Shez, Canberra only need a draw to make the finals. Okay. Yeah, that'll be enough. Uh, so, yeah, I will pick on that one. I think I'll pick a draw. And then the next match, we've got Brisbane versus Newcastle. I think Brisbane will win it 2-0. I think that's a pretty good tip, actually. I don't mind that at all. I'll Doesn't be, mean it'll be right. but that's I'll be there with we, you. <laughs> we're agreed. Yeah, then Brisbane to win. That seem, seems pretty reasonable, especially at home. <laughs> Eric is Eric is trying to structure his tips so that Sydney both don't win the minor premiership and Melbourne lose Melbourne lose out of the finals. Well, and I don't think that one will have anything to do with it really. But Dale, what do you think about Melbourne victory versus Perth? I I, I would really love to see Perth get up in the last game of the season, but I just can't see it happening. Um, what's my tip going to be? Uh, Leah Privatelli to score. Is she fit? Is is she like? <laughs> Look, uh, Jeff Hopkins, I know that you look like Dean Heffernan now, but please put Leah Privatelli on the pitch for more than 40 minutes. I need a goal, please. So she, she was suspended last round, wasn't she? Is that why she wasn't on there? But uh, yeah. I think you might be right, yeah. <laughs> it always impresses me when you get four yellow cards in a W League season. <laughs> the, the, last, the last player that I can think of that did that was Nikki Stanton. I have a feeling she might have got... Five or six yellow cards in a W League season. There you but she go. definitely, that's she definitely got suspended. Project. There's my ne- yeah. That's my homework for next week. And Did you just do your like homework in, from last week? I the dog ate it. I've got no comment, <laughs> Your Honor. I yeah. will not be incriminating myself. Eric, what are your? Given that you're expecting Melbourne, I'm going to tell you Eric's tips. I think he's he's going to say that Perth are going to win because Melbourne victory can't make finals and that win could just very well help them. But I don't know who he thinks will score. Shall we try and make it up, Dale? Uh, Caitlin Douglas to score. Uh, Caitlin Douglas, yes. Yeah, she's been she's been there or thereabouts. Um, Alexia Moreno is going to score oh. a long-range bomb. She's got some good skills. Eric, we <laughs> – sorry, go ahead. That would also be good. But uh, I think the funniest way for victory to miss the finals for people – on this pod, not named Cheryl. Also, by the way, I'm tipping Sydney FC to beat victory whenever that game is played. I, But for this, the, to round this all off, I am predicting a nil-all draw between victory and Perth, <laughs> which coupled with the other results, we'll see victory miss, on the, miss out on the finals by one point. And why not? I am also, for some reason, seeing a Lily Alfeld penalty save in the last 10 minutes. Oh, <laughs> I, yep. I thought you'd go with like a Lisa Devanna own goal because <laughs> she's from Fremantle and um, you didn't want her Perth glory. <laughs> um, all right. So it just leaves me to tip and tip accurately on this one. I'm sure Melbourne victory are going to win. I think at Epic Epping stadium, we've had a bit of rain here in Melbourne. It's been nothing like it's been up on the um, Northern New South Wales coast or wherever that water has been coming down. Perth don't know what water looks like. So they're going to be completely confused and Melbourne victory are going to come out and win three, three nil. Perth don't know what rain looks like. I love it. I'm all about it. <laughs> Perth are confused by the concept of precipitation. 
<laughs> all right. Well, I reckon that's about all we can do for the, this podcast, apart from to say we've got a special guest in the works. It hasn't quite come off in time for this one, but we'll add it to the pipeline. Thanks for listening, everyone. Eric, thank you for joining us with your amazing predictions as always. Thanks. Um, uh, Angry Victory fans, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Eric underscore Subihano. For both platforms, I look forward to reading your um, filthy, salty DMs. <laughs> Eric, did you want to shout out where you got your jersey from? Oh, yes, actually, thank you. And I don't believe I told you the full story of these jerseys. So uh, the lovely Helen Ritchie from Even Playing Field, uh, she was, I was consulting with her because they were the kid supplier this season. I, um, so what it, I was on the in- email list to, be, to get priority before it went on public sale. The players got priority, first priority on jerseys, of course, for their requests for friends and relatives. And at that time, all the men's jerseys sold out. Helen emailed me this and I said, that's not an issue. Here are my measurements. Tell me what women's size fits me and I'll get one of each. Home jersey with Crofts 11 on the back and away jersey with Nash 15 on the back. And that's how I found out that I am a size 16. <laughs> is it i i hope that you are you're feeling your curves be very hugged eric it was that was going to be my my deal when i went to the world cup to try and get a matilda's jersey because uh yeah t- t- took a bit of an l on that one didn't get, end up getting a men's matilda's jersey i'm a big idiot is the key here i mean uh, i won't sorry cheryl but um without giving too much away after i measured myself I, I looked at it and said, I think a women's size is going to fit here. It's going to be fine. <laughs> well, I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm glad that you got a jersey. No, good for you. And thank you very much as well, Dale, for joining us on the podcast. I don't know if you've got a queue of jerseys that you're looking to uh, buy with your next dollar. Not uh, my next my next jersey purchase is going to be uh, Carly, Carly Rossback and um, Lillistrom jersey. That's Ooh. in the works, but I just need to have enough money. <laughs> in the works in that I need the money to make the purchase. <laughs> it might be something that we should work on postage and, and get a couple organized together. We'll give a shout out to Stefan who's probably already on the on the list of oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to both of the guys for joining me on the podcast. Thank you to everyone who's been listening to us. If you like what we're talking about, please give us a a review. If you don't like what we're talking about, tell us what you want to hear instead. We're more than happy to talk about football, about anything. So yeah, great to have you listening and we'll talk to you again soon. See you later. (laughs) 